You are listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. You can find us at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. Okay, everybody. Welcome to Destination Church Belfast. If this is your first time here, it's really good to have you. I was just saying, well, you're all chatting, which is great, but I was doing a whole performance thing of like, Head fall, should it be, I love you. You think it suits me, Wes? I could work it. He looks slightly embarrassed. Moving swiftly on. Okay, so thank you, Wes. Appreciate you doing that for us this morning. That was great. Did you enjoy yourselves? Yes, it was good. Thank you. Next week, as Claire said, is Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is one of those opportunities for anybody who never, ever goes to church. It's one of the ones that they'll go because it's a family thing. So abuse that. Come on to church. It's Easter Sunday. Um, You might have to buy them a meal after, but sure, that's all right. So it's Easter Sunday next week. It's the pinnacle of the Christian calendar. So it's the pinnacle of the Christian calendar. So come on, invite people to, to come to church. Alana pointed out to me that in the middle of the word, as he tries to not trip over, the word reaching is? Come on, that was better than the response that it got. People are desperate for him. People are desperate for him. People are desperate for Jesus Christ. G.K. Chesterton, I think it, he either quoted somebody or he said it himself, every man that knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. So whether people are able to articulate that they're actually aching, they're probably aching because life has done things to them. They're probably aching in lots of other ways, but they are aching for the presence of Jesus Christ. Now, you don't have to ram him down their throat. Um, seamless link to the Tuesday night uh, reaching when we're going to do a discipleship event. We need to lift off ourselves this. I've got to, I must, I should. Evangelism is about pushing them over the line that they pray the prayer and somehow that's it done. Isn't that what really we've been taught? How many people have you led to Christ? Not very many. How many people have I uh, brought into more maturity in Jesus Christ? Lots. Hopefully a lot more. But I haven't been involved in the point of they're going to pray the sinner's prayer. How many have you? If you've, if you've lost, fantastic. That's the point that you're brought to. I tend to be brought in when it's transition and difficulty. You want to be me? That's just what happens. It's just the way it is. But that's my part of the process. Doesn't mean that I don't get to do that and have people walk through what it means to actually understand being a Christian for the first time. But it's about letting your light shine. So if you want to find out more about what it means to reach, then come along on Tuesday night. We'll be in the Kingdom's Taught Room and it'll be nice and cosy. And you'll even get a handout. I know. Spectacular. We might have some buns as well. Okay, so... Nehemiah, build and protect. I'm not going to do a massive um, recap on the series that we've gone through. Can you believe that this is week number 10? No, I can't. That's amazing. I'm going to ask the the difficult question. Have you found benefit throughout this process? Okay. If you have found benefit in particular areas, I'd encourage you to go back and have a re-listen. Just recap on the things that have hit you. If it's just one thing, fantastic, you've got the agenda. I'm learning that actually it's very helpful when you're doing pastoral ministry because all you've got to do is find out what God's up to and help them right there. That's it. What do you do with yourself? What's God up to in your life? And typically it's less complicated than you think it is. And it's more complicated. 
because he's doing lots of other things through lots of different people. But it's really very simple. Matthew 6.33 says, anybody know it off road? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So you go after him and what he's doing in your life right now, then you'll get everything else in return as well. So Nehemiah is a story of how God leads a leader, how the leader leads himself and how he leads the people to rebuild and restore what was theirs to rebuild and restore. And Nehemiah's rise when there's a need for rebuilding and restoration. And did you enjoy Andrew's message last week? Grace or grass? He said that we need to embrace his grace to be able to do what we correctly assess in and of ourselves we cannot do. I was having a conversation with someone after church last week and they said, you know, maybe the point is actually that we can't do it. If you can do what God's calling you to do, don't do it. Because I guarantee it's not him. Makes sense, doesn't it? Wouldn't it make sense that if you wanted to have your people be dependent and in relationship with you, you would ask them to do something that they could only do if they're dependent and in relationship with you? So if you're terrified, a little bit of pee escape sometimes, like, oh my God, what's he going to ask me? Oh, oh, God's asked me to do this thing. I, I couldn't do it. I, I, no, no, it's not me. We're on. Welcome to the good news of Jesus Christ. La, 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 la. Is that your experience of the Jesus that you know? Maybe you need to meet the real one. So he's going to ask you to do things that are over and above yourself. So if your soul man assessment, this is really, I really do feel like I should be singing. Do you like it? <clears throat> if your soul, I know, I've got to stop, Mark, thank you. He gave me one of those looks like, Colin, you're better than this. Um, if your soul man assessment of what you're being asked to do is that that's not possible, you're on. Okay? You get it? you got to have him. If it's beyond you, you find it. To be able to do what God's asked you to do takes God, and it's only those who have faith in who he says he actually is that will embrace the grace that's available to accomplish the impossible. And that's where God says, with me, nothing's impossible. Does it all start to fit and make sense? We've been trying to get our heads around stuff that we were never supposed to get our heads around. That's why you have to become like a little child. Angie talked about the valley of, oh no! How many of you have visited that valley this week? I must admit, I think there's a wee bit of grass in my mouth. I was flicking out some in the prayer meeting this morning. It was like... <laughs> Oh no! And actually looking at everybody else's oh no's, it makes you feel like I don't struggle with that. And then you realize that you're going, oh no! Did anybody tempted to go to the valley of oh no at all this week? Yes, come on, let's be honest. Everybody else is just, yeah, there we go. Yes, yes. And Andrew took, what did you say? Half an hour down the road. Oh no! And don't assess that somebody else's oh no when it's not yours that somehow you don't have an oh no. You have an oh no and the enemy knows about your oh no and so does God. Oh no. It's a different oh no with God. With the enemy you're like, oh no. With God you're like, oh no. Yes, do we know that one? God says something, you go, oh no. The enemy says something, you go, oh no. God's oh no is a little bit quieter. So, Andrew said that we've got to recognize, hopefully I'll get this right, this is a three-step process. 
you recognize that you're in the valley of Ono and you're chomping on grass. Then you move to understanding. Well, how did I end up in the valley? Is this correct, Andrew? I ended up in the valley because I made this decision, I started this conversation, and I yielded to that threat. And then hopefully when you've spent enough time chewing on the grass and you're, I'm just fed up, I'm fed up, I'm fed up, I'm just fed up, you're eating grass. Can't do it as well as he did. You recognize it, you understand what's happening, and then, and did anybody else feel this last week when Andrew went, I am not going back. Now, when he was talking about spirit to spirit, you know that thing of, ah, I'm not going back. Did you get that last week? Yes. Yes, a few of you. That's what it means to be spirit to spirit. It's nearly something that you don't understand because somebody could say to you, you know, this is a three-step thing and you work through this and eventually what you'll decide to do is, I'm not going back there. It's different to, I'm not going back there. Now, if you can receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll get a prophet's reward. So he's prophesying to you that you can be him going, I am not going back. Is that possible? Your soul won't agree with that. And if any of you are sitting going, no, it's not. I've tried this and I've tried this and I've tried this and I've tried this. Why don't you just become like a little child and go, all right, daddy. It's possible. Spit the grass out of your mouth from between your teeth. Get the taste of the grass out of your mouth. If you have a Yankee candle of freshly mown grass, bucket in the bin and get back to the wall and drink in the grace that is available to you. We cannot stay in the valley of oh no. We cannot or you can. But what will happen is eventually you won't be able to come on the journey because you'll have made your bed, okay? Don't stay in the valley of oh no. In the valley, our pride allows the strength of the enemy to make us weak. And at the wall, it's our humility that reveals the grace of God that makes us strong. Let me say that again. In the valley, it's our pride, or let me be more pointed, it's your pride that allows the strength of the enemy to make you weak. And it's at the wall that your humility reveals the grace of God that makes you strong. That's why Jesus said, for those who are poor in spirit, they're rich. Because they recognize that it's not in and of themselves. It's in him. It's gone awfully quiet. And sometimes that means that the Holy Spirit's bringing conviction. If that's you, just yield to it. At the wall, we're still weak. But that revelation of weakness and humility allows our God to be strong in us. Let me pummel you with a few verses. Psalm 138, verse 6. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Toward, this is Proverbs 3:34. Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. Proverbs 29:23. A man's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Matthew 23, 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 1, 52, are you done yet? Luke 1, 52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Quite like this language this morning. James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And sometimes humility looks like agreeing with God and what he says about you for the positive. In our culture, we're good with 
you need to recognize that you're missing it and you think you're better than you are. What we're really bad with is you're much better than you think you are. It is true. Thank you, Shirley. We'll have, it's like auction. Any, any raise on it's true? First Peter 5.5 5, Likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I am here to serve you. That's my job. And it's a joy. And the minute that it turns from, uh, from uh, wanting to serve to that, oh, I can't be bothered. Oh, they should know this by now. Oh. God resists the proud. I'll start to try and pastor you out of my own strength. You don't want that. Okay. So this week I want to talk about complete but not finished. So here's a number of scenarios. Claire and I got engaged in November 2005. We then went into a whirlwind of preparation. Claire whipped out this A4 notebook with dividers in it and started to sort it all out. Terrified me to my very core. And I said, am I actually involved in this process? (laughs) So then, uh, 26th of August, which Claire never remembers, 26th of August 2006, uh, we got married. And at that point, we knew everything that there was about marriage. Isn't that correct? Okay, October the 11th, 1997, which is my birthday. If you want to take a minute and put it in your diary. On my 17th birthday, I had my first driving lesson. And then in February 1998, I passed my driving test. At that point, I knew everything there was to know about driving. Isn't that right? Okay, good, got that. I'm standing in Phoenix, um, Arizona, at International Super Sunday. It's called that because it's international. It's super and it's a Sunday. You've been there, Wes. It's a beautiful thing. Dennis prophesied to me that he saw a church and he saw that I was the man leading at the front of it. At that point, well, let's go to 2015 when we started the small group. They called the church plant, but really it's a germinating seed. Eh? See what it did there? Maybe it's more like a plant now. It's getting a bit stronger. So at that point when we planted the small group, I knew everything there was to know about pastoring. Isn't that right? Yes? So you say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be in my life, and bing, you're a Christian. You've got it all. You're mature. You're complete. You're lacking in nothing. Isn't that correct? Nehemiah 6, 15-16. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. What do we normally do? We stop at the beginning. A marriage is made of actually saying I do. And you know how to drive whenever you've passed your test. And somehow that you know how to pastor just because all of a sudden somebody said you're called to lead this. Don't we do that with our Christian lives? Don't we? We arrive at some point and go, well, that's just the way it is. Or we know that we've got to learn to drive. And yet when it comes to holding our thoughts captive, we're deeply disappointed that it's hard work. How many of you have studied to learn something? Was it easy? When it is easy, was it worth it? There, she's speaking to me again about that blinking Wi-Fi network. Was it easy? No, it's difficult. Did it take time? Yes, it did. Whatever is natural to you now at some point was completely foreign. 
Gary was uh, bowling at man night and he started the ball with his left arm and it was working out really, really well for him. And he said, it seems really strange to me. And I went, well, have you ever done it before? Oh, I, fair enough, good point. But yet somehow when it comes to everything with Jesus, we think that when we hit this point that we're supposed to know absolutely everything when really it's just the beginning. So don't stop at the beginning. The end of the beginning is not the end. When I was in Ghana in 2001, Pastor Dave said to me, Colin, the top of every mountain is the bottom of the next. And yet we think when we reach one point that that's it, that's as far as we can go and we've arrived at that place. It's like the placing of that one piece of the jigsaw puzzle. Do we have anybody here who absolutely loves doing jigsaw puzzles? You know the one bit? I don't actually, but it's a good illustration. But that one bit that you can't find and you're convinced that it was either hoovered up or eaten, and then you find it it's actually under your foot, even though you checked under your leg and your foot many times, but you find it and you're like, hey, there it is, and you slot it in. It's like, oh, could you look at it? Oh, it just fits. There's always that one piece that you're convinced is lost. But actually, that's the little bit that helps you see another bit of what actually is being built. And yet we find one piece of the jigsaw puzzle, as in we invite Jesus into our lives, or we complete the process that we're in right now, and we decide that's it. Somehow I should be able to see the whole picture. When if you find that one thing in Jesus leads to another, the relationship that you think there's something about those guys, you don't know. But if you start to go into the process, you find another little bit of the jigsaw puzzle and another little bit and another little bit and it starts to take shape. For all the teachers who are here, the academic year of 2018 and 2019 is starting to come to a close. And I live with a teacher and I understand what that's actually like. They start to weep, they start to shake, and they start to number down the days almost to the hour. If I ask Doreen, she might be able to tell me it's whatever amount of hours left. But at some point, the end of that academic year is going to move to the summer. And then after it starts to move into August, the middle of Doreen's already shaking her head. Why are you doing this to me? But at the end of August, is it the end of 2018-2019 academic year or is it the beginning of 2019-2020? Maybe it's both. But we do that all the time with God. We go, that's done. That's done. And then when God asks us to revisit it, we think, I've lost my salvation. It's just that it was 2018-2019 and you're in this interim transition phase into 2019-2020 and before you know it, you're standing in the valley of oh no, oh no, eating grass because you didn't appreciate that it's all a big process. The difference with being a teacher is, and don't start to weep, is that you will be able to retire at some point. This is the truth. It's a John 8, 32, and it will set you free, but you may go, oh no. You don't get to retire from being a Christian. You don't get to retire from being a disciple. And as I was preparing this, I wonder if there maybe are a few here who took early retirement. You completed something, you overcame something, and you decided, right, we're good now. That's it. Got my stripes. That's it. Got all I need. Come out of your early retirement. Come on. I need you to come out of your early retirement. 
He needs you to come out of your early retirement. Those that you're sitting beside actually need you to come out of your early retirement. Because if you're on, it makes it all on that bit more. When you come to the wall, there's more of the bit that gets rebuilt. And it's not just about rebuilding the wall. After rebuilding the wall, there's more and there's more and there's more and there's more. But somehow, and I can say this with full authority because I'm that soldier. You get the big thing out of the way and Andrew will go, yes, he is like this. You get the big thing out of the way and you go, oh yeah, oh that's it done. I have arrived. And then you realize that you really haven't arrived. You actually just fell asleep in the middle of the road and that thump, thump, thump was the, what do you call it, the rumble strip that's supposed to wake you up just about your heart hit the verge and hit somebody else and cause an utter disaster. Come out of your early retirement. We never retire from being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Never, 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 never. Did I say never? Never stops. Never stops. It never, ever stops. Are there the sweet places where he leads you to the still waters? Is there rest? Absolutely. Do you know what I find? You see when he leads you to a place that's incredibly intense and difficult? You start to then prophesy that it's always going to be like that, don't you? I can't cope with this. This is too much. If this keeps going on, this is going to happen. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and it's tough and it's intense and it's difficult and you know that it's God, do you not think that he's able to restore you probably quicker than you were drained by the circumstances that came along? He will really restore you. Is the point of process completion or is completion onto process and purpose? Right, you ready? You'll love this. <laughs> For those of you here on podcast, these are beautiful radishes. I don't like radishes. Anybody like radishes? You do? Yes, well, there's four or five here, so you can take them at the end, okay? Now, Kingdom Kids, I think it was October, do you remember? I think you were involved in that, didn't you? Give out seeds? Radish seeds? Yeah, she's not really that excited, but thanks for the effort. <laughs> was that actually excitement? Sorry. These are the seeds, right? So Anna and Isaac came home. Don't give the children of a gardener seeds. They're going to get planted. I brought them into Anna and Isaac, and I went, these are the radish that they planted, and they went, Enough, that's great. And I was like, you're way too used to this. Other people would be stunned. <laughs> I planted them, watered them a little bit, fired them into the ground, and I plucked them this morning. Now, was the point of the exercise that you gave the seeds to the children, was it just that they germinated? How often does God pop seeds in our life and you let it germinate and you go, there we go, there we go, woo! There's the presence of Jesus. You never got the blooming radishes. The point is that these germinate, they get cared for, and they become these lovely little radishes that maybe uh, Wes will turn into something stunning to go along with some tasty little meal. And it will nourish him and it will give him joy. In the middle of this, getting to where it could be, is process. From the seed into the ground, and actually the seeds come from the fact that this is bolted and gone to seed. So it's all this circular process but too often what we do is we go, oh my God said that to me a while ago. Yeah, yeah, I started to do that a little bit. You never got the radishes out of it. 
How many seeds did you chuck out when they had a germination just because you thought that was the point of the purpose and the process? He is up to... Uh, could you take these? I don't know what to do. <laughs> Happy Christmas. <laughs> the point of the process is that it has a purpose. It's process unto completion unto purpose. It's not just for the sake of it. That's why we can all look at our pain and stare at it and go, there's a purpose in the middle of this. Is God just mean? Is he? Is he just cruel? Does he just let circumstances come into your life because he's a bit sadistic and he likes you to suffer? Or is it that he allows in his wisdom what he could easily prevent in his power because he knows that what's going to be added to you through the process is beyond what could be just and popped into your life. Ecclesiastes 7, at the end of a matter is better than its beginning and patience is better than pride. Collins' translation, the end of the part of a process is better, better than before it began. Stop making assessment on what you don't understand and trust him. We're in the middle of difficult process at different points and we want to chuck it all out. And yet if we just were patient and we yielded to the fact that God is God and he knows exactly what he's doing, then that we would be able to say, do you know the end of this thing was far better than the beginning of it? And do you know how you recognize the end of something? How do you think the, you recognize the end of something? Fruit is one. Anyone else? Say that again. Doesn't hurt you anymore. Any others? The credits come up. Stop it. God tells you. It just is never going to end. It just never, it never going to, never going to end. He'll tell you. He's really good. He's a really good dad. Do you not think that if I was with my children in a difficult circumstance, I wouldn't say to them, you're doing really well, come on. I might get intensely frustrated with them at some points. And then remember, come on, Colin, you can do it. Say, listen, you're doing really, really well. Only another little bit. Only another little bit. Come on, you're getting there. You're going to do it. Look at it. You're going to go on, son. Go on, Anna. You can do it. Go on. You're nearly there. You're nearly there. You're, yeah. Well done. Well done. Come on, we'll go out and have a celebration and have a meal. Have you heard that recently from God? If you check out Revelation, Jesus says, to him who overcomes, I'll give. To him who overcomes, I'll give this. To him who overcomes, I'll give. He is so good. Don't throw out the seeds just because they germinated. Don't take early retirement just because you feel you can't take it anymore. Why don't you just go, I trust you. It really hurts God. It really hurts I really wish it wasn't this way, but I trust you. Process under purpose. Mark 4, 26 to 29. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day he sleeps and wakes, and the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself the earth produces a crop, first the stalk, then the head, then grain that ripens within. And as soon as a grape is ripe, grain is ripe, he swings the sickle because the harvest has come. Seed sprouts, grows, then you've got the stalk, then you've got the head, then you've got the grain, then you've got the ripening of the grain, and then you've got the harvest. 
Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these he has given us his precious and magnificent promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Now that you've escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, for this very reason... This is 2 Peter 1, 1 1-9. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities and continue to grow in them, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a process, a never-ending process. We're in the process of a process all the time. Breakfast to lunch to dinner, day to night, month to month, season to season, infancy, childhood, adolescence, adulthood, middle age, mature, old age. I thought I'd better put mature in there because I thought if I'm just going to go straight from middle age to old age, there'd be people going, Andrew called us cows last week and you're saying that I'm old? Anybody else offended by that? He called us cows last week. What does he mean by that? Oh no! What he means is just stop eating the grass. That's it. Process under purpose. Nehemiah was called to lead through the process. And after the wall had been rebuilt, he set the doors in place. He put in gatekeepers, he put in musicians, and the Levites who were the priests were appointed. So he didn't say, wall's done guys, all the best, nice to work with you, my subcontracting contract is now over, all the very best. He led through the process. He didn't stop leading because a part of the process was complete. So to testify to my weakness, I, as I said earlier, is I'm the sole guy that would switch off to the task. I'm sure you're glad to know that I'm learning to not switch off from the task. If I switch off now, people get hurt. <laughs> If I switch off, people get hurt. If I switch off, people get hurt. If you switch off, people are going to get hurt. Stop switching off. And one of the reasons we switch off is because we're afraid as to what he's going to ask us next to do. Isn't that right? Really? I've just done that, God. What else are you going to ask me today? Maybe you might say, how about a three-night stay in the Bahamas? You wouldn't want to switch off after that one, would you? Oh, but what's he going to say? Oh, what if it's difficult? Oh, what if it's hard? What if it's going to be lovely? What is going to be wonderful? What if actually what you hope for is even better in reality than what you actually thought that it could be? Do you hear what the Spirit's saying to you as a church? Remember, this is not a personality. It's a person speaking through a personality, flowing through leadership to speak the truth in love in order that you might grow into the fullness of of Jesus Christ. You are always in a process. You are always a disciple. And don't stop because one part is complete. Here's the good bit. Right, it's a process of a process. Claire reporters both and, isn't that what you say, Claire? It's both and. So it's a process of a process and you don't got it, you shouldn't give up, but 
you've got to celebrate. Have any of you accomplished anything recently? Yes? Yes? Now, turn it over into your spiritual life. Not that we want to slice it up. But have you not gone to the Valley of Ono this week? Or did you find yourself about to put in a mouthful of grass and go, no, no? Are you overcoming some things? <laughs> it's hard work. Come on, break the sound barrier. Have you overcome some things? Have you celebrated that? You have, great. Have some of you not just gone, oh, well, you know, well, sort of, well, you know, well, well. Really, if God was here right now, he would come up to you and he would say, you're a disappointment to me, you gave up, and I'm done. Or would he go, you did so well. Do you know how proud I am of you? Have you any idea? I was busting, I was looking at you going, come on, go on, yeah, the God, come on. And you go, but it was only a thought that I held captive. Heaven doesn't tend to measure things in the same way that we do. And there are things that you've overcome that your soul has been the filter for and you've gone, it wasn't that important. And yet heaven was going, go on! We tend to celebrate Anna and Isaac's birthday every year. Seven's not that exciting a number. But we love our son. And it'll be 10 this year, so we get to celebrate that one, don't we? Because it's a big one. It hit five, and we were like, love, we really love you, but six, seven, eight, nine aren't that big a deal. When you hit 10, and then after 10, it'll probably be 21. Maybe 18, maybe 21. After that's 40. Is that what you do? You celebrate them because you love them, and every year it's important. And we think that somehow this father that is, he's the real deal, and who we are is a slight, like dimly lit, just total, little, just a little snippet as to who he is. We then attribute darkness to the one who is full of light. If you love your children and you're celebrating with them, you're just doing a slight, small amount of what is in the heart of God for you. It's not the end of the process. But it might be the end of that part of the process. And that's worth celebrating. Can I get you guys to come up? Let me read this to you. Luke 15, 17 to 22. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. How many of you do that? I'm going to rehearse. I'm going to say to God, I'm really, really sorry. I promise that I won't do it again. It's not going to happen again. I really won't do it. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. Like that. You know the, get off me, get off me. Would you get, stop hugging me, get off me. But the father said to his servants, actually, missed the bit, the important bit. The son said to him, Father... Let me do it in the voice. Father, I have sinned against thee, and I have sinned against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called thy son. Amen. 
And the father said, Collins translation, screw that. Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring in his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fat calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead. He's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Would you like to stand with me? We are rubbish at celebrating. And actually, if we learned to celebrate the little victories that we have, we would be spurred on to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. Instead, you're laboring under this ugly, irritated, accusing, not even a father figure that points at you and says, it's not enough. You want to respond to this one? Yes. Do you need to hear that today? I haven't even started with three questions. Do you need to know that you're loved? Do you need to know that you're maybe doing a lot better than you think you are? Do you need to know that you're celebrated? So here's some questions for your consideration to help you to respond. Do you need to embrace that life is about the process of the process? Do you need to come out of early retirement? And finally, do you need to recognize what you've overcome and start celebrating? If you can say yes to any of these questions or you just want to respond for ministry, please come and join me now at the front. been listening to destination church belfast weekly podcast remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week